Well, uh, it's a little after 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. Hopefully you've set your clocks forward by now. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Of course, we weren't here last week. Uh, there was a sports-related uh, yeah. broadcast preemption. <clears throat> that so, happens uh, from time to time down here at CBN, so we just go with the flow. And uh, since we're talking to mention in sports, let's just congratulate John Beeline once again. I think that this guy is uh, a top-notch college coach uh, in the uh, field of basketball. Impeccable integrity. Uh, Michigan plays their game. You may not like it, but John Beeline has proven time and time again that he gets more out of his teams than many teams that have more, shall we say, athletic talent. And it's interesting, just uh, Michigan ends up being a three seed, gives them a shot. Hopefully North Carolina gets knocked off somehow and we sneak in. Uh, but uh, MSU's uh, basketball coach, Tom Izzo, who runs a pretty different kind of program. And I thought it was very strange. I'll just give him a brain damage award. Earlier this year when the... Uh, gymnastics uh, trials were ongoing and Michigan State was questions were raised about Michigan State's response to that and I found it strange that Izzo came out to defend the president kind of at the last second like I don't know if I would have done that dude <laughs> uh, this 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 scandal president you know, of MSU yeah so who knows I mean I can respect uh, being loyal to a friend but since the facts are so unknown and unknowable about some of the things that are going to go on, and unfortunately this is going to be a continuing story here in Michigan, uh, I thought that it was a mistake to defend the president of MSU at that time because there were numerous calls for her resignation. And, uh, well, that's the end of that. Uh, well, I don't know where to start. I don't want to talk about Stormy Daniels. Stormy except, Daniels. Except to say that I think uh, Kim Jong-un has probably two prerequisites for meeting Trump. Bring Stormy. She must be, a, she must be along for the ride. And uh, I want one of those red phones so I can get a hold of you directly. Well, quite frankly, the whole uh, I'm going to meet with Kim Jong-un, I think, is an utter fabrication designed completely in response to the Stormy Daniels. Thing. Yeah. I, I'm one of those people who's coming to that conclusion because, A, nothing Donald Trump says means anything, uh, any anywhere near uh, veracity or truthfulness. Sure. And uh, secondly, um, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> Probably not. It's, you it's, don't begin with those top-level talks. No. And, and North Korea is not going to agree to uh, surrender their the one card that they're holding. And, of course, Trump then <clears throat> brags about the fact that this, quote, meeting that's maybe going to happen, maybe not. Who cares? Because uh, I don't think it's going to mean anything. Uh, you know, earlier in the year, it was South Korea that, that made the overtures. Uh, Kim... Uh, to his credit, has uh, modified his attitude a little bit. I think he's a little bit smarter than his father, Kim Jong-il. Uh, but uh, 
I actually thought the, the that, exaggeration about North Korea and their capability is remarkable. They have well, tested true. some ballistic yeah. missiles. Uh, the nuclear tests that they have perpetrated have been very small. Uh, this is documented by seismic instruments uh, that are in Japan. Uh, Japan is a uh, earthquake-prone zone, so they have very, very good earthquake monitoring uh, equipment in that area. And it's pretty well documented that even the nuclear uh, bombs that uh, North Korea um, shot off here and there. Um, these were underground tests, by the way. So that's why it would show up as seismic activity. And I think that the exaggeration of North Korea having the ability to hit America with missiles is ludicrous. <laughs> they have tested some bigger ballistic missiles, but uh, carrying a nuclear warhead is... Uh, a completely different uh, scientific problem, and uh, I don't know that North Korea would even be able to do anything like that. So we'll see what happens. I think all the real groundbreaking work here is being done by the South Korean government. Yeah. I think, actually, lo and behold, during the Olympics, there actually were some very, uh, you know, hopeful signs of... Uh, normalized relations between those two countries, sure. the joint participation in a couple of events. Uh, the Korean women's hockey team, for example, that's a remarkable gesture. Um, and, you know, this is obviously a somewhat superficial relative to the historic standoff between these two countries, but that's the sort of thing that should be encouraged and developed and not this sort of fire and fury, fire and fury, brinksmanship. I'll meet with him and I'll tell him what for. Because quite frankly, Donald Trump, despite his uh, reputation as a tough negotiator, uh, surrenders uh, every time he's in a negotiation. He was wowed uh, and overwhelmed with the flattery campaign from China. He talked tough and, and threatened uh, Republicans in Congress regarding the NRA, saying, oh, you're afraid of the NRA. Well, I'm not afraid of him. Uh, and yet his proposal is very much in line with the very modest and unacceptable uh, propositions that that organization has put forward. No, no courage. No, whatsoever. by the way, you know, this is this is one of those things that I call serendipity. But uh, I found the origin of Rocket Man. Um, the Economist magazine actually had Rocket Man on their cover, only it wasn't Little Kim. Or Lil Kim. Lil Kim? Lil Kim. Is the, that's the other one. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Uh, that's the time... Female hip-hop um, artist. ...publication when he became the the, the new... Uh, what do they call it in North Korea? The omniscient, omnipotent, great, great leader? Exalted leader. Exalted leader. Something like that. That's kind of probably what, why Trump really wants to meet him. He's kind of into the... I think he envies the hero that. ...hero worship. Yeah. He, you know, he, he seeks adulation... Uh, at, at all stages and uh, self-aggrandizement. But Rocket Man is actually showed on an Economist cover uh, with Kim Jong-il as Rocket Man. And this is from a much earlier era. The print is so small. I should have uh, wrote, wrote this down before I got here because uh, I'm going to need a magnifying glass. To, it looks like 2006. Interesting to, to uh, note what's also featured on the cover. Uh, General Motors, Renault, and Nissan. That's obviously car uh, discussions. Unstable Pakistan, a 10-page special report. The pain in Gaza. 
Last chance for the Doha trade round. Internet advertising gets smarter. And Germany, America's new friend. <laughs> Which, of course, is interesting because of the steel aluminum uh, fiasco that Trump created this week. I found it bizarre that Trump actually... Uh, I don't know why the North Korean National Security Advisor flew to America for the announcement, but it's strange that that announcement was made later in the day after Trump officially did uh, impose the tariffs or announce the tariffs earlier in the week. Of course, Gary uh, Cohn uh, stormed out of the White House. Apparently, rumor has it that he and Peter Navarro, who's apparently going to be uh, Trump's new guy on trade, had a shouting match about it. And I want to correct the media. The Donald Trump did not mention steel aluminum tariffs during the campaign. This is a fabrication. No. Uh, he talked about coal jobs quite a bit. And, of course, he did vaguely talk about making America great. But what he promised to do and what he, what he hasn't done and won't do is he said, quote, I'm going to declare China a currency manipulator on my first day in the White House. I'm going to tell my... Well, after they overturn Obamacare. Right. <laughs> so he's never gotten around to that because obviously the facts didn't support that China had been manipulating their currency. They certainly had five or six years ago. But, I mean, the whole thing is bizarre because it turns out that South Korea, you know, after Canada, is the largest... Uh, we import more steel from South Korea than any other country other than Canada. And, of course, the national security justification for this is puerile nonsense. The people that are going to be hurt in this deal are South Korea, Brazil, Turkey, interestingly, Russia. China and Germany are way, way down on the list of imported steel. The steel we import from Germany, by the way, is very, very high-fabricated specialized steel. You're not going to have any steel plants popping up. And the most amazing thing is Brazil, who I think ranks third in terms of our imports of steel. They import coal from the United States to make steel. So Donald Trump has shown time and time again that he has no understanding of any of this stuff, that these things are kind of a shoot from the hip. I don't know that he's Yosemite Sam and he hits himself on the feet, but he seems to graze his own hair quite a bit. Well, Yosemite Sam has those tiny little feet, so he does miss them a lot. But these, you know, sort of bizarre, you know, maneuvers, to, oh, I'm going to meet with Kim Jong-un, oh, we're going to impose tariffs, are usually in response to some sort of kerfluffle in the media that he wants to get off the front page, the Hope Hicks resignation. Oh, dear. That looks bad. Uh, she's a close personal uh, friend and who knows what more. Um, well, I'm going to announce tariffs. And that story is now below the fold. Sure. Um, ditto with the uh, Stormy Daniels and the North Korea meeting. So, uh, you know, uh, Gary Cohn apparently was quoted, by the way, in the uh, Fire and Fury book as describing uh, negotiations within the Trump White House as a clown surrounded by morons. Which I can believe. It's a legitimate uh, critique. Because you'll recall that Gary Cohn almost did resign over the... Uh, Charlottesville. Charlottesville yeah. business back in uh, in the summer. Uh, he was not happy. He, of course, uh, happens to be uh, 
Jewish. So he was not happy with Trump's uh, both sides now approach to the Charlottesville violence. Um, remarkable <laughs> stuff. Now he threatened to resign. He he basically, by all accounts, decided to hang around to get the tax cut uh, uh, through. But, you know, the chairman of the economic advisors is in a very important position. Uh, they are usually academic um, types. The great ones have been academic experts. Uh, Alan Greenspan, by the way, was Gerald Ford's chairman of economic advisors uh, and later became chairman of the Fed. Uh, so this is a high position. Uh, perhaps Cohn hung around to see if he would be named chairman of the Fed because that was he was on the short list. So we don't really know, but I suspect that Gary Cohn is delighted to have the weight of Atlas holding up Donald Trump, who's trying to hold up his hair, Kim Jong-un, and his hair. Uh, the world is revolving in strange ways. And, of course, Germany, by the way, they are merely defending the EU's basic position about trade. Uh, I don't think German exports will be hurt by this because, as I say, they, they tend to uh, export to America very specialized steel. And when you see that this is going to affect potentially 6.5 million workers to benefit 140,000 workers that, oh, by the way, just happen to be near the congressional district where there's a special election— uh, tomorrow tomorrow night. yeah and in fact trump had a campaign rally a bizarre uh, one at a at an airport hangar which is his new thing he likes uh, airport hangars uh you know the the spaciousness of them gives him the illusion of adolf hitler i i, I don't know it's <laughs> bizarre but for trump to come up with his re-election slogan already wow yeah they've already hired the uh the guy to run the 2020 campaign <laughs> think that's one of the most hilarious stories of the last month um especially in wake of some of the you know there hasn't been anything in the last few days but the revelations last week uh about this george nader individual uh liaison for the united arab emirates who flew from i think lebanon to new york to go to the big mar-a-lago anniversary celebration hoedown was uh, that the one where they dressed up like uh, the uh, monarchs of, v the, oh, no, of that Austria? Was, that and was before. France. But this was to, uh, the Mar-a-Lago <laughs> gig that uh, George Nader was coming for was to mark the first year mm. of Trump's presidency. But when he arrived at Dulles uh, International Airport, uh, he was sequestered for two hours and his electronics confiscated. And now he's fully cooperating with the Mueller uh, special counsel investigation about those secret meetings to open a back channel to Russia through businessmen connected to Putin in the Seychelles Islands sure. with Eric Prince, brother of disgraced. confirmed moron Betsy DeVos. And disgraced from the Blackwater scandals uh, yeah. during the Iraq war when George uh, W. was uh, uh, sort of posting himself up down in the, uh, in, in the paint as the worst president in American history. Uh, Donald Trump is trying to compete for that honor uh, still. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. I don't think, that, by the way, that Melania Trump is going to be sporting any Marie Antoinette wigs anymore. Um, I think that her new uh, line is 
Trump, eat cake. <laughs> You're not coming in and to this boudoir ever again. Who knows? Very interesting stuff. And we don't know where that's going to go. And by the way, there is an amazing article in the New New Yorker by Jane Mayer, uh, who's a one of the top five or six investigative reporters, I would say, in the United States uh, over the last decade. She's done some a tremendous investigative uh, work into the Koch brothers and mm. their uh, shenanigans, uh, their ability to buy politicians and get quid pro quo. Billionaires who uh, pretend to be populists. Po uh, pollution and tax cuts are their main um, things. And oh, by the way, Sam Brownback, the governor of, of uh, Kansas, imposed a gigantic tax cut in Kansas to help the Koch brothers out because they're, they're based in Wichita, uh, technically speaking. They were the huge beneficiaries. Then the Kansas schools started having Massive uh, budget problems, massive budget problems in the state of Kansas. Yeah, statewide. And they had to, uh, they, Brownback uh, has been, um, he finally left office. This was one of those weird things where he was named ambassador at large for uh, religious uh, theology or ideology or whatever the heck he does. What does that even mean? I don't know what he's that doesn't mean anything. He's gonna he's roving ambassador apparently. <clears throat> That's just another, you know, chip thrown to the evangelical community yeah. who are so up to their eyeballs in hypocrisy that Christ our Lord yeah. must be puking. And abortion, of course, is his fanatical uh, uh, one one issue uh, sort of uh, focus. But I don't quite. I mean, America does not have an established religion. No, that's so the whole what point. On freedom earth, of, freedom from. What on earth is he going to be doing? I mean, uh, obviously, he's going to try and go around the world and accuse China of uh, cracking down on religious dissidents and the usual propaganda stuff that. Look, you know, the Chinese uh, allow a certain amount of uh, religion in their country. There's many ancient religions in China that, that are practiced uh, up in the hills and in the villages. The Chinese government doesn't really run around cracking down on that kind of stuff as much as the Western media claims it does. Uh, but certainly uh, there have been some cult religions in China that they've been a little worried about. And, of course, America's got more cult uh, religions than just about any, any other country in the world. In the world yeah, you know, David Koresh. Let's remember the 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 famous hearings uh, in the '90s when the Republican congressmen were trying to promote uh, David Koresh and the you know the the shootout at Waco, the the firestorm, tr trying to pin that scandal on Janet Reno and Bill Clinton. And uh, it, it blew up in their face when they started to have the hearings about who David Koresh really was. They were trying to promote the idea that David Koresh was a victim of government overreach, a victim of government overreach and not the leader of a cult uh, that practiced all sorts of bizarre uh, sexual uh, positioning angles. Yeah, among, which could be categorized as rape, <laughs> quite frankly. You go back things. and uh, those were rather shocking hearings. Uh, and, of course, uh, when the the committee was trying to uh, halt the testimony, well, it was just one of those surreal things where this 14-year-old girl was talking about mm -hmm. all this strange sex that was going on with Koresh. 
Uh, meanwhile, some other interesting uh, notes that I'll throw out here related to the uh, recent week's events. On November 1st, William Broad and David Sanger report that the nuclear costs for America to upgrade its stockpiles, something that uh, I don't know that Trump is going to negotiate away with Kim Jong-un, the price tag of Mr. Trump's vision of remaking the American nuclear arsenal soared on Tuesday as a new government estimate put the cost of a 30-year makeover at $1.2 trillion, more than 20, uh, 20% higher than earlier figures. This is an example of what is wrong with American priorities. Uh, we shouldn't be upgrading our nuclear weapons. We, we should Whatever be down- happened to infrastructure? <laughs> we should be downgrading them. Uh, we should be... Could we invest a trillion dollars in infrastructure and schools? Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there is a lot of really good stuff in the last couple of weeks, by the way, about the history of trade. Um, I'm not too sure if does Trump actually have a, a college degree? Did he ever study economics? I doubt it. He doesn't know anything about trade. Look, trade has been around since human beings became human beings. It's one of the oldest uh, barter. You know, the Phoenicians were the first sort of sailor traders. But uh, we know what the first trades in in, uh, human civilization were. A man had some goats. He traded them for another man's daughter. That's how it worked. It's not a mystery. That's how the way civilization was 10,000 years ago. No mystery about that. But trade, of course, this, this idea that the United States can win a trade war, that, that the United States has been damaged by all this trade, is, is not correct. Um, for one thing, Donald Trump is confused about the difference between the merchandise trade deficit, goods, and the total trade deficit, which is, includes goods and services. The Americans have a massive surplus with services. And we have a trade deficit, by the way, not necessarily because of free trade agreements. We have a trade deficit because we have a consumer culture. We like consuming things that we can't afford to buy. So the trade deficit is actually simply the fact that Americans consume more than they produce. Trump talks about aluminum. Well, look it up. We have to import 100% of the raw materials to make aluminum. So if there's retaliation by Brazil, uh, which they're a main supplier of bauxite, uh, Jamaica, oddly enough, Cotter, you know, the the trade numbers are, are fascinating in terms of how America is dependent on minerals from China. Rare earth elements, mm-hmm. for instance. Uh, we, have a, we have a trade deficit with China because of consumer goods. We buy tons of clothes and shoes and knickknacks that are sold at the marts. And if you want to focus on the trade deficit, go after Walmart and Amazon, frankly. We have a trade deficit with Japan because of technology. Mandrake! Is, is that a camera? Oh, those Japanese, they make... such bloody good cameras. Bloody good cameras. I mean, that's the, 
the, we know what the Japanese products are. We've we've been consuming them for 40, 50 years. Mandrake had one in Doctor Strangelove, for God's sakes. You know, if I go to uh, the shopping uh, uh, store to go grocery shopping, I have a deficit with the Kroger Corporation, for example. Um, so what? I need the food. So this is, a, this is a kind of an accounting thing. And if you go down and you actually look at the closeness of these trade problems, first of all, they're not that great. Uh, we barely have a trade deficit with Canada. Trump is just flat out wrong about that. We have a trade deficit with China, uh, Canada, and Mexico, by the way. It's oil. We are still importing oil from mm -hmm. Mexico and Canada. Um, that's not going to vanish with uh, renegotiating NAFTA. So this renegotiating of NAFTA, as I've joked repeatedly, is sort of like trying to renegotiate the Babe Ruth trade. I'm sure that the Red Sox nation would love to have the trade renegotiated, but it happened. It's done. It's over and done. It's a done deal. NAFTA, all the provisions have expired. You can go to the WTO and say, hey, we want to get out of NAFTA. And the Canadians go, okay, what, what do you want us to do? Do you, do you want us to send you some flowers? I mean, I don't get it. Oh, you, you want to have a, a military parade down Pennsylvania Avenue in July. Okay. Ridiculous. And, of course, uh, you know, the history of the Smoot-Hawley tariff is well known. It collapsed trade uh, globally. How do co countries respond to, quote, trade wars that Trump wants to have one? Oh, we, well, They're easy win. to win. Easy to win. What's he talking about? I don't, we, we have to import lots of raw materials to produce the manufacturing that he's trying to bolster. Uh, trade plummeted after Smoot-Hawley. And, and furthermore, not only will, will the, these uh, trade uh, tariffs presumably raise prices for manufacturing workers in the United States, 6.5 million is larger than 140,000, I think. <laughs> Trump doesn't know that. And yet, we know that trade plummeted, and we also know that the British and the French, in response eventually devalued their currency. So that's another result of trade wars. Currency man manipulation. The United States last year, under Donald Trump, had the largest trade deficit in history. And he's bragging about how great the economy is. Well, something's not computing here. He keeps talking about this deficit without understanding why it exists or, or why it doesn't even matter all that much. As long as the American dollar is the key transactional monetary unit, we're fine. Hey, at one time it was goats. One time it was sacks of flour. Um, it, the, the currency changes. The medium of exchange changes over time. And I, I, I get a sense that Donald Trump has no understanding of the history of economics. Well, among other things, I mean, he doesn't know. He doesn't want to know. He doesn't want to do the work to find out. He doesn't want to listen to the people who are the experts, some of whom he's surrounded himself. You know, Gary Cohn argued against this. So, well, I may as well leave because you're completely ignoring my advice on the matter. Um 
he's not ever going to want to know. This is all just shoot from the hip, make it up on the fly, respond to what I'm trying to quash in the news. And it's all good because I'm the president. And, oh, uh, move maneuvers by uh, President Xi in China, if I'm saying his name right, uh, to become president for life. Trump actually openly said, well, that's a fine idea. We, I, That would be nice to do here. What? Yeah. What? Uh, by the way, That's not the country that we live in. Just to remind you, you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Uh, Yazoo City Calling will be coming up next. A really fascinating uh, story in the Friday business section about the history of the Smoot Hawley uh, business. By the way, the tariff debate that went on for the entire 19th century pretty much. After slavery, mm-hmm. that was the numero uno economic debate in the United States. Back then, interestingly, it was the uh, Democrats that were the free traders and the Republicans were the high tariff party. Uh, Why Trump wants to revive debates that were had in the 1840s is uh, beyond me. But let me quote a a professor, uh, William Palin, a British uh, professor, I believe, from the University of Exeter in Britain, and the author of, quote, The Conspiracy of Free Trade, which examines trade rivalry between the United States and the British Empire in the 19th century. Quote, but the more I reflect on it, it seems the winners are those nations that don't take part. Professor Palin cited the late 19th century trade wars between Canada and the United States, which caused a precipitous drop in Canadian exports to the United States and led Canada to seek export markets in Britain. The British Empire was the winner. This is what happens. Trump lives in this world where he thinks he's the emperor of human civilization. Uh, I, I don't think there's any mystery that Angela Merkel does not like the man. Um, She's forced to meet him. But Germany is not going to, because it's the main organizer of the EU, they're not going to just cave in on this stuff. Look at what's happening to Britain and with the Brexit. They can't even get that done. And what's been the net result so far? Britain and the sovereignty and the Rupert Murdoch and Trump promoting all that. They've been losing nurses. Foreign nurses that came in from Poland and mm-hmm. Czechoslovakia and uh, uh, India and Pakistan. They're losing. Their health care system is beginning to suffer. Trump had some ridiculous comment about that a couple weeks ago, a tweet in which he was talking about the British were protesting the National Health Service. They were doing no such thing. They were protesting the cuts to the National Health Service. They were protesting about the problems that this Brexit thing is having in their you know, on their country.